You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I'm your host, Casey Corbin. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. But before we get to the podcast, you know what we have to do? You got to hit us up on all those social media outlets. So if you could do that for us, that would be just super. So you know them on Twitter, we're at TNWpod. Hit us up there, give us a like, give us a follow. On Facebook, Facebook, uh, backslash Talking Wrestling. That's where we are there. Uh, Instagram, Talking Wrestling Podcast uh, at Instagram. Uh, of course, on um, we're on Spotify as well. Uh, you know, so give us a follow on Spotify. Put us on a list. Uh, we're on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. Give us a favorable review and uh, five star rating. We will send you a postcard of a wrestler from the 80s, uh, from a 1984 postcard wrestling postcard book. Um, Also, hey, uh, as long as you're doing that, um, why not uh, tell us that you sent us a good, you know, give us a heads up to look for uh, your positive message that you sent us. And uh, by doing that at uh, talkingwrestling at gmail.com. Of course, remember Talk and Wrestling is like Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. T-A-L-K-N-W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G. Talk and Wrestling. Uh, so yeah, so check us out on all of those social media outlets. And uh, we can get the show started. So, you know, it's very simple. And now the show is started. There we go. See how? We did it. We did it. Yay. How you doing, COVID people? Everybody keeping well? Is everybody staying safe? You staying separate? You wearing a mask? You not wearing a mask? Are you luchador? Did you lose your mask? So, it's all about the mask these days. Uh, I wear my mask. Uh, I do it uh, because it's considerate. And, uh, you know, and I'm I'm getting used to it. I kind of like it. Walking around thinking I'm Cobra Commander or Glacier. As a reference from wrestling, is if we're gonna, how come there's no glacier masks? I probably said that before. They should have WCW. Oh, this because there's no WCW, but WWE would have the rights, so they should maybe make some masks. Oh, but masks make you weak. Anyways, um, yeah. So uh, I don't know how what you've been watching. Uh, you know, a lot of things going on. Ring of Honor are in there. Are in there. Uh, they're in a tournament. Uh, G1, uh, the best wrestling tournament, is running all month long. Um, of course, this being October, so it'll run all for October. Uh, it's already been on. Uh, WWE just had Clash of Champions this week. Uh, I thought it was great. The ladder match, wow, wow, that ladder match was fantastic. And Sami Zayn uh, and the creativity in the match was amazing. Uh, seeing Jeff Hardy, I I don't like those big loopy earring holes. 
And that's why, because you never know when someone's going to handcuff you to a goddamn ladder and you're going to have to carry the ladder around like uh, you're, like you're, uh, you know, like it's your ghetto blaster. Like you're Brock Lesnar having a Brock party, but you're going to have to use the ladder instead of the, uh, the briefcase for money in the bank as your, your uh, ghetto blaster or radio. AM, FM, tape, cassette, cassette, recorder. So uh, that's exciting. That was exciting. Also, uh, Clash of Champions itself was exciting. He, The Randy Orton match was great. Um, very uh, entertaining. And uh, all the matches in between. Asuka, double match for Asuka. Love it. I'm always ready for Asuka. Uh, most people aren't, but I am always ready for Asuka. And I always want more Asuka. So that's obvious. Uh, yeah, I'm in a lot. I'm, I'm still watching. I, I'm back in. A, you know, AEW has been solid uh, for me throughout all of this. But uh, I've been uh, one thing I've been doing since this COVID outbreak is I've been going into uh, trading cards and collecting cards as I used to when I was a kid. I collected a lot of hockey cards, football cards, uh, baseball cards, novelty cards, wrestling cards. Uh, they're all worth money now, and, uh, and, and, and there's an upswing in the uh, card industry. So uh, one of my favorite – so I've been buying out wrestling cards. Um, some wrestling cards are great. Uh, the WWF wrestling cards are, are always good, fantastic. Uh, I have some good cards there, like the Hulk Hogan, whether it's the yellow back or the green back behind that series. Uh, that's an expensive card these days. Um uh, Macho Man Randy Savage's first card, I think, is called a Savage Attack, and that's worth some good money too. But WCW have a collection uh, where they're purple wrappers. They say WCW on them, and um, they're very much like the print of the card is like, I don't know, very New Kids on the Blocky, very Saved by the Belly. Like they have a uh, a frame around it that's very eighties. Um, Late 80s, early 90s, maybe, and then they have the picture in the in the in the, in the thing, and this it, there's probably about a hundred, a hundred and fifty cards, hundred and sixty cards in this set, but there's only limited wrestlers in the set. Like for example, there's uh, there's like nine Sid Vicious cards, and there's nine Lex Luger cards, and there's nine Sting cards, and there's uh, 10 Aaron Anderson cards and there's like 10 Ric Flair cards and there's like maybe about 10 wrestlers of their cards and then or maybe nine wrestlers and then there are uh, four tag teams that have cards and then Jim Ross has three cards Medusa Michelle has like three cards and Polly Dangerously has three cards and that's a set so the set really celebrates you know Four tag teams, nine wrestlers, and three random two man a manager, two manager a manager valet and a and an announcer, and uh, it's just kind of silly. Like, why are there nine cards of Brian Pillman? You know, and there's not one Steve Austin. Um, I don't even know if he was there at the time, but maybe that's what it is. But I'm sure they had more than you know. Uh, well, jeepers, uh, 17, 18, 19, 20 people on the roster. But the cards are great. 
And in the middle of the collection, there's one card with Ric Flair wearing a suit holding up his four fingers. For some reason, that card on eBay is selling for $650. And I got that card, so I'm happy. So that card is running. And uh, when I go to the next card convention, I'm going to get this card graded and PSA'd. And, you know, so it's worth its value. And when it's worth its value, then I'll stand back and I'll, woo, you know, be very, very happy with that. So that's what's going on with me. Doing a lot of cards. I don't know if anybody here has any wrestling cards. If you want to get rid of them, hit us up. I'll get. I'll take them off your your uh, your your closet or wherever you have them. So with that said, though, um, you know, I've also been reading books, and one book that I ordered from Amazon I have not got yet, but it is on the way. Um, I was watching, uh, Talk is Jericho, um, not Talk is Jericho, Saturday Nights with Jericho. You know I'm a Jericho, Mark. Anyways, I saw Chris Jericho, uh, do a sort of a product commercial for this book that was called, uh, Wrestling with Joey Licious. Wrestling is written like PWG, Pro Wrestling, I mean Pro Wrestling Illustrated's wrestling, and, uh, with Joey Licious. And uh, Jericho cut a good promo on it. So anything that Jericho endorses, I want to check out. I checked it out. I found some of these videos on YouTube and uh, that star Joey Licious. And he's in such videos with Roddy Piper, The Iron Sheik, uh, Superfly Snuka, uh, Tito Santana, and more. And um, the videos are fun and, and, they're, and they're cheesy and they're uh, humorous and they're great to watch. And, um, yeah, so anyways, these videos came out years ago. Now there's a book about it, kind of based on the videos. And the book is on sale at Amazon. You can order it there like I have. And uh, Joey Quesada is the author of this book. He is Joey Licious. And today on the show uh, from New York, we have Joey Quesada. So let's just go to that interview with the wrestling uh, enthusiast, uh, musician, author, all-around great guy, uh, Joey Licious himself, author of Wrestling with Joey Licious. Here he is now on Talking Wrestling. Here's my interview with Joey Quesada. Take it away, Casey. All right, folks, with me at this time uh, in a studio more than six feet away, uh, I have author, writer, musician, comedian, uh, Joey Quesada. That's the proper way to pronounce your name, I'm guessing, right? Perfect. Yes. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for joining us on Talking Wrestling. And uh, I have Joey here today because uh, he wrote a book and uh, you know, he was kind enough to uh, hit me up uh, on the Instagram, but I'd already been aware of his book because I'm a big Chris Jericho mark. So I'd already seen the Jericho promo for it. And uh, then it was like kind of like awesome. This guy just hit me up, and this is fantastic. So <laughs> I was very excited. Any link to Jericho, uh, it, it makes me happy. And uh, the book is wrestling, uh, wrestling with Joey Licious. Is that correct? That is it. And it's based on, um, uh, is it based on a group of sketches that you did online uh, about five years ago or about 2013? Yes, well, we're still actually filming the show. So Wrestling with Joey Licious was, the concept was originally to have a full-length TV show, a 30-minute sitcom based on 
you know, me as a wannabe wrestler kind of growing up, uh, always loving wrestling and never made it in the wrestling business. And I'm still kind of in, in the underground indie scene. I'm in my 40s now. I never made it in the wrestling world. I live with my mom. I'm down on my luck. And, you know, that's kind of what the show is about. And then in the show, these wrestling legends appear to me in my imagination to kind of give me this quasi advice, which always turns out to be, you know, the wrong advice and put me into really wacky situations, whether it's with my family and friends. And so the book is based on the television show. So we're still filming the television show. We're still filming shorts. The, all the shorts are streaming on Amazon Prime right now. There's five or six up there right now. We're still in production to go into a full-length series with hopefully Amazon Prime. But what happened was because of COVID and you know the whole virus and, and yeah. the whole country shutting down, all production stopped. Hollywood stopped. There's no meetings. There's no production. There's no film crews. So my partner and I basically pivoted and we said, hey, why don't we take season one scripts and make it into a novel, make it into a comedy novel. And that's kind of what the book is about. That's fantastic. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we're up here in Canada. The only thing is, is the way it works in Canada, Amazon, like like Netflix, we, there's, there's, there's an American Netflix and then there's a Canadian Netflix. And, right. And Canadian, everything Canadian, uh, not everything Canadian sucks, but like Canadian Netflix <laughs> is not as good as American Netflix. And... Canadian Amazon Prime is not as good as American Amazon Prime. As a matter of fact, we don't get your videos on the Canadian Amazon Prime up here, but you can find them on YouTube, and they are yes. on your YouTube page. So They are also on my YouTube page along with, you know, lots of other videos and bloopers from the show and stuff like that. So all the videos are on my YouTube page. If you just type in Joey Casada on YouTube, J-O-E-Y, C-A-S-S-A-T-A, -S -S -A -A. you'll find all the videos. You know, they're starring, you know, like you said, we started filming around 2013. We filmed with Jimmy Snuka, Roddy Piper. Uh, then we moved on to, we have the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. We have Mick Foley. We have Tito Santana. There's even, you know, this all kind of spawned from, I was on another TV show called Z-Rock uh, back okay. in 2010. And there was an episode of Z-Rock, so there's, the show Z-Rock was based on my original band, ZO2. And in real life, we were really a kid's band during the day and a rock band at night. And it was kind of how those worlds interacted. And in one of those episodes, your buddy, Chris Jericho, guest starred on one of those episodes. And we play a, a kid's birthday party as our rock band. And Chris Jericho winds up being at the party, you know, playing this wacky, you know, yeah. crazy version of himself. And, you know, and not to give it away, but him and I get into a little altercation by the end of the episode. And, you know, it doesn't end well for Chris, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and that's great. That is that's uh, that's awesome. That's awesome that you can that you can do that. You can take one idea and you can maneuver it and make it about another passion or you can repackage it and try the idea again and maybe hit on a whole different culture that uh, would have liked it before. Um, personally, I'm a music guy. I'm a I'm a wrestling guy, so it's uh, it's all good to me. Um, now, when how long ago? Now, first of all, I love that shirt. That's where I took the name of our podcast, Talking Wrestling. There's Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Fantastic, the best. Um, now, where did you? Uh, where did you? Uh, when did you start watching wrestling? Around what time? And uh, what's that first moment that got you into wrestling? <laughs> 
So I've been a big wrestling fan basically my whole life. I got into it, I, I think I was around eight or nine. Uh, the first, so I live in, I'm in from New York. I live in New York. And, you know, we had wrestling every morning, WWF on Channel 9 in New York. And the first thing that really captivated me, I remember seeing when Jimmy Snooker and Don Morocco went at it the first time. I think Don Morocco was on Buddy, Buddy uh, Rogers Corner. Mm-hmm. And Snooker comes out, you know, kind of his entrance music and not his entrance music, but just kind of walking past Morocco for his ring uh, for his match. And Morocco took it as a sign of disrespect and just started cursing at Snooker. And he winds up spitting on Snooker and Snooker loses his mind. And it's one of my favorite clips. It's really what captivated me originally. And then from that moment on, I think that was 1983. And from that moment on, I was just addicted. I went to Madison Square Garden every month after that to see live WWF from Madison Square Garden, probably for the next two years. I got to see Hogan win the title from the Sheik the very first time live in Madison Square Garden. So I've been a fan ever since that moment with Snooker. That's crazy because that was probably the moment that kickstarted the feud that would lead to eventually Snooker jumping off the cage for the first time onto Morocco, uh, which is famed. And uh, if you have the best of WWE volume VHSs, you have that match. And, and it's just, that's a crazy moment. And it must have been lucky, like, getting to go to Madison Square Garden to see all these great matches. Like, I was way up in Ottawa. We didn't get... <laughs> We didn't get great matches until 1986. Hulkamania tour came through, so sure. whereas you get to see, um, you know, the Iron Sheik wrestle Rene Goulet, uh, I got to see Georgiana Steel wrestle Rene Goulet. Not right. the same match, you know, not good at all. So, uh, but it's but it's but it's but it's in Ottawa. We just never got the wrestling that a mecca like Madison Square Garden would get. But we did have our moments. Um, Ric Flair made his wrestling debut in the WWE in Ottawa. And that was a moment that I'll never forget. And uh, that's what I love about wrestling. Um, now, uh, okay, so the book's available on Amazon. Uh, how, yes, how, long did it ta- how long did it take you to write the book? So, yeah, here's the book right here, by the way. Wrestling with Joe Alicious. Believe it or not, it was the first few weeks it was out, it was the number one book in the country, in the the wrestling category. Number one wrestling book in the country. I passed JR, I passed the Young Bucks, I passed the Nitro book, even Chris Jericho's book, which I've been texting him, kind of ribbing him that uh, I passed his book. And of course, his response back is, well, dude, my book is two years old. Of course you passed me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so the book is, the book, again, didn't take that long to write because again, it's really the taken from the scripts from the show. So the scripts from the TV show have been written for about two years now. So my partner and I literally took the scripts and made this book. So this book is actually part one of season one. Mm-hmm. So it ends on a cliffhanger. Um, I'm not sure if you got a chance to read it yet, but there's a little cliffhanger between Chris Jericho and I at the end of this book that will kind of lead into the next book. And you'll see what takes place and how, you know, what happens between Chris and I in the next book. But, you know, it stars guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, um, Mick Foley, uh, Ricky Steamboat, of course, Chris Jericho. So there's a lot of legends in there. And it's it's really a what-if book. What if I pursued wrestling instead of music? 
and it's how like my life split. So it's it's the what if of of my life. So the book really, you know, putting it together as a novel, it only took a couple weeks because I literally just had to kind of reformat it and kind of, you know, re, re uh, reimagine some of the dialogue for a novel. But it was it was a pretty easy uh, write. Out of all the legends that you work with, was there any uh, legends that were more difficult or uh, to work with, or were they all fairly uh, easy going to work with and uh, open to the ideas like filming Nikolai Volkov in the toilet uh, in a toilet <laughs> stall? At first, when you pitch it, might not sound the most dramatic thing, or or the Iron Sheik taking a whiz, but you know this is the scenario. Uh, I loved that the Iron Sheik had subtitles as he was speaking. <laughs> I thought that was very, very funny, um, especially where, spoiler alert, just question marks. Uh, that was great. Um, so has there any been has there been any um, wrestlers where they're like, they don't feel comfortable maybe doing that, where they might maybe want to pitch their idea, or uh, what's it like working with these guys? Well, it's funny, you know, the original idea behind this show was, you know, me being a big 80s wrestling fan and even 90s wrestling fan, I know what superstars these guys are. And I'm sure you you do and your fans do as well. You know, these guys have been on camera their whole lives, live television, giving improv promos, you know, their whole life. So people don't realize how sharp and witty and quick, not only humor wise, but just dialogue wise, all of these wrestlers and legends really are. So I wanted to really give an outlet for them to come on my show and not only be themselves again and kind of shine and show the world what they can really do, but I gave them the freedom to improvise dialogue and kind of go along with scenes. That's kind of how the show is filmed. It's very, you know, we have a loose script. I know kind of what I want to get out of the script, obviously with the scene with, with Nikolai and, and the Iron Sheik in the bathroom. You know, we know we're going to film in the bathroom. We know this is kind of what's going to happen. But a funny story, that day, Nikolai was not in that scene originally. Mm-hmm. So we filmed at Caroline's Comedy Club in, in Manhattan. The, the Sheik happened to be there doing a comedy show, like one of his roasts. And, you know, when it came time to film, you know, I was in, in touch with the Sheik's managers. And they were both telling me, you know, the Sheik's kind of, um, you never know. He's a little temperamental. One day he's totally into it. Like he wants to do the show. He really loves the idea. But the day of filming, you never know if he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. So I said, you know, that's not how it works. I have to I have to have my crew come down. We have lighting. We have sound. We have, you know, it's a big ordeal. So he said, well, let's why don't we bring everyone down and let's make let's see if we can make it happen. So I set my crew up into in the bathroom, you know, all ready to go. We kind of had the script ready to go. The Sheik already approved everything. And the day of filming, his manager was like, listen, you know, Sheik's kind of being a little, you know, he's a little upset about a couple of things at the comedy club right now. He, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get him to do it. Now, I, I don't take no for an answer. Yeah. So I literally, you know, they were in the comedy club already. My crew and I were in the bathroom. And I literally walked over to where he was, introduced myself. And at this time, the Sheik is kind of confined to a wheelchair. He's not, full, he's not immobile. He can stand, he can walk, but... He moves around in a wheelchair most of the time yeah. for these events. So I literally took, scooped them up in the wheelchair and kind of just dragged them to the bathroom and said, hey, dude, come on, let's go. We're going to go do the scene now. And I'm talking to him on the way, filming, telling him about, you know, what we're going to do. And he was totally cool about it. He was, oh, I love this scene. I love this Joey Licious character. I love, I want to do it. Let's go. Let's go. 
as I'm wheeling the sheik to the bathroom, <laughs> Nikolai Volkov is behind me, chasing us, yelling, "Can I be in? Can I be in the scene too? I want to be in too." So we literally wrote Nikolai in at the last second, and that's why you know he's at that little tail end of the scene there, yeah. with him at the, in the toilet. Well, I think it's perfect too because I it's a little like you don't expect it, you don't see it. And then it's like, you know, when you think back to these two, you know, just in a comical sense, you think back to your T-shirt. And they were together on Rock and Wrestling. They were exactly. like a combination. And they were like, you know, it, it's 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 kind of, it's so funny that way. And I, I love what you all just said because I 100% agree because I've had many wrestlers on the show. And this is, talking wrestling is comedy. I'm a comedian by trade. I'm a wrestling fan by well by podcast, so right. um, you know I uh, so I like to do con like when I have the wrestlers on, I like to be funny with them as well. And sometimes they don't take to it, and sometimes <laughs> they do take to it. Uh, right, you know. And uh, I'll just say, Ted DiBiase, if you haven't had the chance to work with him, I recommend you get him. He is fantastic. Uh, he is so kind. And I said, I said, would you mind doing a promo video for for my show? And he goes, what do you have in mind? I'm like, okay, like, I just want to basically, um, you're going to challenge me to eat three Pringles and give me $300 if I eat three Pringles. And then on the third Pringle, you're just going to knock it out of my hand and be you. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. And perfect. it's perfect. And like, so... When he knocks it out of my hand, he tilts his head back and he does the laugh. Oh, and, oh, and then he says, gold. "And then he says, I love it." And that's how. And then I, I try to cut the promo on when you can find us and where you can find us. But I had a mouthful of Pringles, and I never realized how hard it is to talk with a mouthful <laughs> of Pringles. So I'm like, "This week, <laughs> you know." So, um, but, but like. But that probably made it better, right? The, that probably made it even funnier. I think it did make it funnier. And then you think, like, you put it online, you're like, this is going to explode. And it's like maybe a thousand hits. And you're like, come on, yeah, this yeah. is gold. You know You know what? It, you know what? It's not about being gold or not being gold. And this is what I found with my show, too. I had the same thoughts. When I started filming this show, I said, well, you know, the wrestling community is going to gobble this up. It's so it's smart. It's features, you know, wrestlers you never see anymore. It shows them in a light that you, you would never think to see Nikolai Volkov on a toilet or, or, you know, Tito Santana as a waiter in a taco house and stuff like that that I have these guys in. But what I, what I really, truly believe it is, I think it's about marketing. It's about if, you know, obviously we're still shopping my show. It's on Amazon Prime now. Once I got it to Amazon Prime, obviously in, in, in the U.S., yeah. it started to take off a little bit. You know, I got you know, hundreds of thousands of hits on Amazon Prime. But it's all about marketing. So I'm still pitching the full show to a Netflix, to an Amazon Prime. So I think uh, not enough people saw your clip to appreciate it. Not enough people saw my stuff to appreciate it. It's not about content and it's not about wants and needs. I think the wrestling community will gobble all this stuff up with the legends if it's just given the right outlet. And of course, the WWE Network is such a great outlet for it too, but it, Believe it or not, they're very close-minded to stuff like this. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with them over there, so it's it's a it's a tough sell. But I think it's exactly what 
whether USA needs something like my show or your promos like that on, on After Raw or before Raw, I think it's exactly what the wrestling world needs right now. Yeah, I, you know, I love a slice. Like, I'm just going to say there, I did find, like, as, as, a, as a comedian and with comedy, and I love comedy like this, I like a cheesy comedy every now and again. And there are times, uh, yours, uh, where it's very cheesy. And then there are times, yours, where I really, I really have a good chuckle. Uh, I laughed hard in this, in, like I laughed a good hard chuckle in the uh, Superfly episode. Um, <laughs> I love the Roddy Piper episode. What was it like working with uh, Hot Rod? And um, and because that was seemed to be the longest episode and probably the most violent episode. So uh, <laughs> what was it like working with <laughs> you? And you and my buddy, my buddy uh, did a, a sketch with Hot Rod uh, up here on a show called. Uh, uh, air fire up here in Canada and uh, it was basically a Christmas episode so they did the 12 uh, things of Christmas like the uh, you know whatever but this had all to do with wrestling so basically uh, for the whole song for 12 different things Roddy Piper just beat up my friend in this sketch Amazing. and he said it was the greatest honor ever and so this kind of is reminiscent of that and yes. uh, so yeah what was a lot because He's gone, and he's the greatest, and he's so missed, and uh, I just want to know what, what your thoughts were working with Rod. Well, it's funny how you mentioned about him beating your, your buddy up in the whole skit. My wife always jokes around with me, maybe not so much joking. She always tells me, there's no show, Joey Licious. You just want to play with these wrestling legends and have them beat you up, and there just happens to be a camera there. And that's really, honestly, how we film. It's, it's a loose set. You know, working with Roddy, Snooker was the first guy we got on board. And once we got Snooker and filmed his short and was able, were really able to show the other wrestlers, hey, this is what this show is going to be about. Everyone filed in line. And, you know, I was getting calls every day on my voicemail for, to, from people I didn't even reach out to, leaving voicemails. Hey, I want to be part of this show. I got a text message from Ric Flair about being part of the show, you know, waking up with a, to a text message from Ric Flair or a voice message from Jimmy Hart saying, hey, baby, I heard about this Joey Licious show. You can't have Joey Licious without Jimmy Hart, baby. You know, this long, crazy message of Jimmy talking, you know, a mile a minute. Yeah. It's, you know, it was a dream come true for me, hearing all these guys wanting to be a part of my show and to get Hot Rod on, you know, he was so, so, so gracious to be part of the show. He loved the concept. He loved the idea. And again, you know, while I st was filming this show, the idea was to really bring these guys aboard to be not only guest stars, but they would be reoccurring guest stars on this sitcom, you know, for as many seasons as we can get out of it. So that's really, you know, the goal behind this show. And Hot Rod was, again, so, so funny, so smart. You know, some of the stuff that he came up with on the set, so, you know, a lot of that dialogue is all improvised. The stuff with, you know, when he rips the Hogan poster off my wall and says, yeah. you know, rescue your blonde damsel in distress. That's all Hot Rod's lines. You know, <laughs> in the script, we had him ripping the poster off, but we didn't have him saying those lines. Same thing with Mick Foley, the shirt you're wearing. Yeah. When we filmed with Mick, you know, we had this and everyone can go on my YouTube page and see all these clips. Everything is on my YouTube page. And obviously Amazon Prime for people in the United States. The scene with Mick, when I had this whole dialogue between him and I, how I have a, I'm in the hospital and I have a stomach ache, 
because I'm lactose intolerance and, and lactose intolerant. I say intolerance in the script to make it a, a big, even bigger joke. Yeah. And Mick, you know, I said, I, Mick says, I said, Mick says something along the lines of, well, why don't you drink almond milk? And I'm like, almond milk, how do you make milk from almonds? And that was kind of the dialogue. And then Mick added in the line. Well, as you know, Joey, almonds have no nipples. And yeah, so, I mean, we had to take that scene five times because we didn't know he was going to say that. And he just said it on the fly. And it became, you know, the, the whole crew erupted. We couldn't keep the take. And we had to keep re refilming it because Mick was so funny. And you know what, too? Uh, also, what's good about that scene is, um, you know, the people, people, I think wrestling fans like to reminisce and like to be reminiscent. And if they see something that reminds them of something, they automatically like it. And the minute you see Mick Foley in a hospital room, you think of Mick Foley and Vince McMahon in a hospital room. Of course. And of course. It, which is one of the greatest sketches that WWE has ever done. And you do have the bedpan hit later on. Of course. And again, I'm so glad you say that because. Obviously, that's what it's based on, right? You you could see that a mile away. Of course, you know it fits in with with what we're doing with in the show, Joey Licious, with them being in my imagination, you know, and not to give it away, but that's what happens in all these skits. By the end of the skit, you realize Mick was never in the room with me. It was you know me, you mm. know, fighting an old man next to me, and he winds up hitting me with a bedpan. So that's everything I do is kind of reminiscent, even in the snooker scene. Of course, you know, dream come true. I had to have Snooker blast me in the head with a coconut, reminiscent of Piper's Pit. Yes. So everything is based along something along those lines. Of course, we have Tito Santana as, a, you know, in his El Matador costume as a waiter in a, at a taco restaurant. So it's all based on their characters. And then we take it to the to the 10th degree with the with the zaniness it's so good there's if there's one episode that i could pitch you if you haven't wrote it yet this is what i would love to see let me okay. hear it i love it okay because when i had ricky steamboat on the show uh <laughs> one of the things i was like i turn into chris farley at times with the wrestlers i'll be like do you remember when uh you had to take uh you were in the oriental <laughs> chris farley yeah i was like <laughs> yes remember when you were in the oriental gardens and you had to fight the ninjas in the you had the three phases to become a ninja when you first got to the WWF. Do you remember that? And he's like, Yeah. I was like, Was that really an Oriental Garden? Was that was that in Japan? And then he goes, No. And I was like, Where was it? He's like, Philadelphia. I'm like, Really? <laughs> Amazing. And then I said, I yes, said, I, I totally forgot about that scene. I love yeah. that. And then I said, were they even real ninjas? And <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I don't think so. And I was like, me neither, because one guy was wearing Nikes. <laughs> and then, and did then, he know you were kind of doing that Chris Farley bit with Paul McCartney or no? He kind of knew, I think. But then when I started zinging <laughs> him on about how bad the sketches, yeah, he kind of really, I guess, he got that. I was digging into him a little bit, and I was Dude, saying, you, had, "You obviously have the same type of humor as me. I love it." So I just said to him, "I said, I said, none of those guys were even Asian. They were all white. You could see through their masks." <laughs> I was like, "One guy's wearing shoes," and, R and Ricky Steamboat goes, "I think one guy had red hair." I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "These guys," 
And I was like, and it's not even in Japan. It's in Philadelphia. And these guys are all white. And then I said, Philadelphia, cream cheese. That's all I'm looking at. And he just, he was shaking his head. He ca- he would call me, he called me homeless because he said I looked like I was homeless. Amazing. And, uh, but he is somebody who also can take a joke and yes. deliver a joke. And uh, and if you want to do, if you're just sitting in a park and a bunch of ninjas come out to, uh, to attack you, and all of a sudden he just shows up and you fight the ninjas together, but really it's just you doing uh, maybe Aikido in a park who, with a guy who's doing right. Tai Chi, like that uh, is great. So Ricky's, I, I first of all, I love that idea. I'm, unfortunately, we're going to have to edit it out of this episode because I'm not, I'm going to steal it from you. And we're not going to give you the copyright <laughs> on it, but. Uh, that's free. Uh, but Go Rick, ahead. Ricky, Ricky's in this book a lot. We unfortunately we don't have that scene in there, but I love that scene. But that's exactly the type of stuff. Exactly the type of stuff that's not only in the sh- and will be in the TV show, the full length TV show, but that's in the book. For instance, again, not to give scenes away in the book, but there's a fun scene in the book. And again, Rick is on board to film this. We already scheduled it and everything, but you know, because of COVID, we couldn't we couldn't yeah. follow through with it. There's a scene with me and Ric Flair. You know, it starts off with him going to a suit store to kind of buy me a new suit because, you know, I, I, I dress like a bomb, you know, whatever. I'm dressing in a track suit or whatever. And, you know, by the end of this scene, you know, it's me and Rick, you know, dropping elbows on these $10,000 suits. And, of course, you know, they drag me away. There's nobody in the store. I'm just in the store by myself ripping these suits apart. There's no Ric Flair. And then later in the, in the book... Rick comes back to rescue me and we wind up fighting a bingo hall um, full of senior citizens. It's me and Rick, you know, Rick's on, you know, the four horsemen ride. And, you know, I'm in, I'm still in my ripped suit from the, from the suit store. And Rick and I are battling these senior citizens. But of course, Rick is not really there. It's just me thinking Rick is my partner in this, you know, wacky tag team against these senior citizens. So it's that type of zaniness that happens all throughout the book. I love to describe it as almost like a cross between um, Curb Your Enthusiasm and Rocky. So it has this craziness of Curb Your Enthusiasm where this guy always self-sabotages himself by doing the wrong thing. But then it also has this feel-good Rocky vibe where this good-hearted slob is just trying to make it in the wrestling world and he just keeps failing at every turn. Maybe, just maybe, he'll get a shot at the title by the end. And that's kind of what the, what the story is. Yeah, you never know. People fail upward all the time, you know. Exactly. And there's and and it's a good lesson to teach. Like you can fail and dwell and be miserable, or you can be fail. You can fail. You can learn from it and get better. And uh, that's that's truly, uh, you know, that's that's it's good to have a book that has that, especially in COVID times when people are reading more and uh, using Amazon every day. Right. So I ordered and it's it. a super fast read too. It's 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 like 230 pages. It's a really fast read. It's a cheap book. It's like 13 bucks on Amazon. Again, this is part one. Leave you off on a nice cliffhanger. The other the other book is already written. Like I said, it's all season one. So the other book will be out probably the new year. You know, we'll give this book a little time to breathe. Um, it's getting crazy great reviews. Like I said, it was the number one book in the country. I don't know how. You know, how the hell I beat Pro Wrestling Illustrated on Amazon in sales. No idea. But it's, it, I think it's just, again, like I said, it's, it's a feel-good story. It's a fun, wacky story during these COVID times that people need just to sit down and kind of immerse themselves 
in their past, you know, in the aid or, you know, in this world of zany wrestling that we missed today. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. We'll wrap it up. Uh, I just want to ask, um, not who you worked with, uh, who's your favorite wrestler of all time and, uh, your favorite match of all time. Well, well, hold on a second. I mean, Thunderlips. Nice. I love, I love <laughs> that. I absolutely love that. You know, and Hogan's arguably def- one of his greatest matches ever. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. That really was a great match. Whoever, I don't know who kind of scripted that out. I'm not sure who was involved in doing that match for the, for the actual um, Rocky Three script, but what a great match. I agree with you. You never see Hogan but- doing an arm drag, maybe in Japan, <laughs> but never, right. you know, or, or uh, you know, the suplexes he uses in that match. Like right. it's a very, it's it's not a Hulk Hogan match. Well, it's not a WWF Hogan match, right? You yeah. know, once Hogan became Super Hogan, you know, in the WWF, and became you know the guy who would just destroy everyone and have three minute matches and do his you know his 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 leg his his hits his leg kick and his and his leg drop, you know that was obviously the staple. But it was it, he got such a big pop out of those matches, he didn't need to do more. You know what I mean? So. Hogan is definitely my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, I've always been a big character guy, a big promo guy. In-ring stuff, of course, matters to me, but I'm not a big, you know, high spot guy. I would, I don't mind a high spot now and again, but I don't need 60 flips and then the guys get up like nothing happened to him. If Agreed. you're not selling, if you're not selling those big high spots as the the guy on the receiving end, to me, they mean nothing. So I'm all about promos. I'm, I'm about storylines. You know, the Hogan-Andre storyline, the Hogan-Mega Power storyline. To me, two of the best storylines ever. So, you know, Hogan is definitely my favorite wrestler of all time. And then obviously being a Hogan mark by in, in the 80s so much, and then even, you know, when he was Hollywood Hogan, seeing his fall from grace at the end of WCW, you know, was upsetting. And it was like, oh, damn it, you know, this guy, I think he still has a lot left in him. So the match, his return match with The Rock, yeah, I think became my favorite match of all time. Just because I, you know, I get goosebumps even thinking about it. Seeing that Hogan and that old Hogan reaction again from that crowd and the 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 turn during that match is just magical. Pat Patterson scripted the the perfect match. I always knew there would be like, like there were there were like. You know, the rumor was going around the daytime. They're like, you know, they might be for Hogan tonight. And there was no, okay, I'm going to tell you right now. There was no doubt in my mind that that crowd was going to be for Hogan. And I'll tell you why. Because WCW never came to Canada. They never. Oh, I didn't know that. And and, and not only that, uh, Jack Tunney, Frank Tunney, the, the former president of WWE. Of course was the guy who ran his dad's territory in Toronto. The Tunney territory was in Toronto and was WWE or WWF. So Hogan used to wrestle once a month in Toronto, and he wrestled the Ultimate Warrior in Toronto. He wrestled Paul Orndorff at a house show that drew 73,000 people. Wow. Uh, It's called the Big Event in the Orndorff um, feud. Uh, you know, he had all these iconic moments in Toronto, and then all of a sudden he goes to WCW, and you know what? No more Hulk Hogan. And when's the next time we're going to see him? He's wrestling The Rock. Toronto is a Hulk Hogan town, you know, red, white, and blue, 
and right. and 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 there's no there was no doubt in my mind that Hogan it, this is Hogan's return to Toronto. And everybody now nobody knows that because that's not an angle of the story that they're no, covering. That, right? Like me being obviously from New York, I I'm not even thinking along those lines. I have no idea. I, obviously, I know that I know the match is in Toronto, but. I had no idea WCW was never in Toronto. Never knew Toronto was a big Hogan town. So I almost am glad because I was when 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 the turn happened and the, when Hogan pushed a rock that very first time and the crowd goes crazy and he does the Hogan flex and all that stuff. I lost my mind when the crowd lost yeah. their mind because it was such a surprise to me. I, it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. And the next night in Montreal, you know, he had that like six minute standing ovation. Yeah, where where he was like, I've got to bring back the the red the and red yellow, and, yellow. And, uh, and it was you know and again, Montreal, another town in Canada where he has not been in six years, so right. it's the ret- Hulk Hogan's return to Montreal, which is another big wrestling town in Canada. So it was like it was kind of like just his return to Canada that actually flipped him back into the red and yellow, and I love Hogan because. He was number one when he was Hulk, Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania. And then when he saw the, the necessity to flip and be Hollywood Hogan, he was number one for another 10 years again. Like he was number one in the two greatest eras, Hulkamania Absolutely. and the Attitude Era. You know, Anyone that says, you know, I love the whole argument, the Mount Rushmore wrestling and stuff. Anyone that doesn't have him not only on the Mount, but can recognize him as the biggest draw ever. I don't think they understand what we're talking about. I think the people who don't think that are the the high spot marks of today where, you know, they watch Hogan's matches and they laugh. They think it was, you know, not wrestling and they, they don't, you know, they want to see, you know, ricochet type matches where they they just don't get the, the, the psychology behind wrestling. No, no. And you got to watch. And if you want to watch great Hogan matches, Watch his Japanese matches. Watch him wrestle right. Stan Hansen in the Tokyo Dome. That is one of my favorite matches. Or uh, I love him against the Big Boss Man Saturday Night's main event where he suplexed him yes. off the top of the cage. You know, uh, Hulk Hogan. He, you know, he could do everything, but he chose to do very little, and he did the necessity, the amount that was needed, and and that was it. So Hogan is right up there. Hogan and Bret Hart are my two guys. And then Ric Flair. They're all th- all three of those guys are hard to be. You know, I love all of them. Uh, and your favorite match? So the favorite match was that. It was the Rock match. It was the Rock Hogan match. It had to be, you know, again, because of the electricity of the Rock Hogan match. And, me, again, me going in, still loving Hogan, thinking, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking Vince is going to bury him here, you know, because of, you know, the WCW years and all that stuff. I'm so glad that, the crowd didn't let that happen. And I'm not sure if the crowd went if if the crowd went straight for the rock, that whole run that Hogan had at the end probably just gets buried. But the the people basically forced Vince into giving Hogan a, really another big run in the WWF. So Hogan Hogan Rock, even though it's you know it's it's not a classic match, I guess people think, but that's my favorite match of all time. And Hogan, again, going back to my book and my series, Hogan really is the main guest star of my show it's it's all about me and hogan it's you know the book opens up me a 10 year old me watching hogan in madison square garden winning the title for the very first time and 
it opens up with me saying, I know what I have to do for the rest of my life. And then, of course, it flashes forward and I'm in, you know, an eighth, a grammar school gymnasium wrestling in front of three people and some nuns and stuff like that. But Hogan is such a big part of the book. Even the real Hogan is in the book. The imaginary Hogan is in the book. So it, it's if you're a Hogan mark. Please go out and read 10, 10 minutes of my book, and you I guarantee you, you will love it. I love the description, too, because it reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, rock and roll. So I'm just going to say, Sebastian Bach's book is not about Sebastian Bach. It's all about Sebastian Bach's love affair with Kiss. Yes. And, uh, and, and as you read through his book, which is his biography about himself, it is exactly that. And as you're describing that, yeah, your book... I can see a, a very like parallel to to like Sebastian's book, which is also fantastic. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, and it it absolutely is not only to Hogan, but really to that whole era. Not only of '80s wrestling, but if you grew up in the '80s, there's so many like flashbacks that go back to me as a kid in grammar school, and you know, as an altar boy and stuff like that in in the in the world. So if you just like that nostalgia feel of the '80s of you know, the Goonies and uh, E.T. and Stand By Me and all and Porky's and all these 80s fun comedies. That's what this book is about, too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on the show today, uh, Joey. I wish you all the best. Um, when I get the book, I ordered it the other day after you contacted me. Amazon takes like three weeks, though, especially during COVID. <laughs> so, But once I get it, I can't wait to read it. And then once I read it, I'll probably do an episode review on that as well. Uh, but thank you for I'd joining us. I'd love to us. come back on when, when, when you're done reading it. I'd love to come back and discuss it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we'll do that. Maybe we'll get back together in about a month, a month's time then. Uh, thank you Perfect. for joining us, Joey. Uh, where can the people find you online? Uh, just let me know. So again, across all social media, I'm at Joey Casada. Super easy. J-O-E-Y-C-A-S-S-A-T-A. At Joey Casada. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Even my YouTube page is at Joey Casada YouTube, so you can just type in Joey Casada on YouTube, or you can type in Wrestling with Joey Licious, or even easier, just Joey Licious on Amazon or YouTube. Amazon has the book, it has the shorts, it has T-shirts, it has sweatshirts, all with the Joey Licious brand. And same thing with my YouTube page; you can see not only the clips of Wrestling with Joey Licious, starring the legends we discussed earlier. But that episode with Chris Jericho on my old show is also streaming on my YouTube page. I think you'll love it, dude. Go check it out. Awesome. Thank you, folks, for listening to today's episode. Thank you for letting us put a headlock on your ears for Never Sleeps Networks. Uh, talking wrestling, I'm Casey Corbin. Have a great day, and we'll talk at you next week. Woo! Awesome. <laughs>